Is NGA at 2nd Street haunted? I don't know that it's haunted, but it's, it must certainly be inhabited. Welcome to Geointeresting, presented by the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. NGA's campus on 2nd Street in St. Louis is located at what once was the St. Louis Arsenal. Buildings on the campus are nearly 200 years old and are some of the oldest still standing in St. Louis. From 1828 on, the site was used to manufacture small arms and ammunition, as a Civil War garrison, as an Army Medical Depot, and as an Army Quartermaster Depot. At various points in history, buildings on the campus have served as stables, a jail, a firehouse, and, in the basement of the largest building on the campus, a morgue. NGA predecessor agency, the Aeronautical Chart and Information Center, moved into the arsenal in 1952. Ever since, employees have told stories of unexplained noises, visions, and presences in various places on campus. Are there permanent residents that roam NGA's St. Louis home? We're talking to Sandy, an NGA cartographer and amateur ghost historian. Join us as we roam the halls with Sandy to learn more about the history of NGA's former or maybe still present occupants. Stay tuned for Geointeresting. I'd like to start out by giving a little history of the location so that you can figure out for yourselves what kind of ghosts may be where, because not everything here is a Civil War ghost. So in 1826, the U.S. Army bought this property from two farmers. And before that, you know, it was nobody's property, and the Indians occupied, and the Mississippians were here for thousands of years, and they had uh, burial mounds all over St. Louis. The only one that's existing today is Sugarloaf Mound, and that's just a little bit south of here at 4500 South Broadway. So here we could have any Indian burials, we could have uh, any family plots. We could have soldiers that were here or, or anybody. We start the tour in the middle of NGA's campus. The Second Street campus is made up of many different buildings, each housing different NGA offices. Sandy explains a little bit about their history. In 1827, uh, we started constructing the buildings here. And the limestone buildings that you see were taken mostly from limestone here on the property and then from local quarries. But uh, the limestone buildings were constructed between 1827 and 1835. Building 12 has, it used to be three buildings, and the center building was perpendicular, and that was a uh, hospital. And it burned down about 1915 and when they were deciding what to do they they decided to reconstruct the building as one long building. Building 12 runs alongside the parade grounds in the center of campus. 
The story of its construction highlights the rich history of many of the buildings. In fact, 22 acres of the original arsenal were added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1975. The buildings are still in use today. For example, the original commander's house, built in 1907, is now the NGA Museum. Next, we turn to Building 36, the main headquarters building. This is where most of the activity occurs. In 1918, they, were, they tore down the original building here and started construction of Building 36. Building 36 was built in stages. A, B, and C was built pretty much at the same time. And uh, there, it's, it was built in three pieces because of uh, seismic activity in the area. So that if one section fell, they didn't all fall. Then in uh, 1960s, D-Wing was built. And in the mid-1980s, E-Wing was built. Now, I was here in 1985. And... Um, I, you know, lots of commotion was going on one day, and then I heard that uh, two construction workers were working in the elevator bays, and they fell into one of them, and one of them died. So let's go to the E-Wing elevators, and we will see if we can get lucky. As we walk to the elevators, Sandy breaks out her EMF meter. It measures ambient electromagnetic fields and is used to detect changes in temperature and electromagnetic energy, which some people equate to ghostly presences. As we reach the elevators, it starts going off. Yours going off. You guys must have electrical personalities. Yeah. (laughs) So here on 4E, we have a couple of stories. Uh, the, the elevator that uh, the gentleman fell into is this one here, Elevator 1. And we'll hear stories of people getting on an elevator, and he'll push, you'll push a button, and it won't go to the floor that you want. It'll go someplace completely different. And sometimes you'll push a floor, especially if you're on 5 or 6, and you'll push any floor and it will just speed all the way down to the basement like there's nothing holding it back. So a lot of times people will just get off the elevator and find another way or they won't take these elevators at all. I had one lady tell me a story. She was up on 6E and she was only here for a few days. It was her first few days here. And her boss wasn't in yet. He was on vacation. So she was talking to her division chief, and she was supposed to come in on Sunday. So she came in on Sunday, and she got in about 6 o'clock. And about 8 o'clock, she's sitting at her computer, and she hears commotion from her boss's cubicle. She hadn't met him yet, but she knew where he sat. And she heard the keyboard go on, and she heard the, the chair rolling a little bit, and drawers opening and closing, and papers shuffling about. And she sat there, and she was getting a little ticked off because he had to have walked right past her, and he didn't say good morning. So she kept thinking, you know, what kind of rude jerk is this that wouldn't say good morning? 
So she finally stewed on it a while and she got up and she walked over to say hello and there was nobody there. So she went back to her desk and gathered up her things and went home. The next day she came in, she went to the division chief and told her, and she said, well, let's go tell your boss, he's in now. So her boss said, well, well, what happened? And she told him and he said, oh, don't worry about it, that's just the ghost. So it happened frequently and I've heard other people that worked on that floor at that time tell me the same stories. Another one is, uh, I think it was the second year I was doing the tours and I ran into a couple guys that used to be janitors and they would start cleaning the floors or cleaning the stairwells and they started on the sixth floor. And they got around to the fifth floor and they thought they heard babies crying. And they stopped and they thought, well, maybe sirens, maybe alarms, maybe who knows. So they went back to work and they got down to about 4E and they heard babies crying. So they stopped, yep, it's babies crying. So they took all of their supplies and they went down to the first floor. They were done with the E-wing stairwell for the night. Next, Sandy takes us to that stairwell. So here we have the uh, 4E stairwell. And the guards have to check every floor every night and sign off on the emergency doors. And they usually start at the sixth floor and they work their way down. So a guard was just on the other side of the doorway here trying to get onto four. And he couldn't get the door open. He was pulling it open but he could only get it open a few inches. And then he finally got it open about a foot, and then all of a sudden, the door started rattling, and it slammed shut and kept rattling. Got enough? (laughs) And he decided to go down to the next floor. So as you can see, this door has a lot of activity. So there's, we had a couple of women working on evening shift and night shift that would come out here and they would go down the hall to the restrooms. Now anybody that works on this wing, on the D wing, knows that when you open one restroom door, the other one opens a little bit, just a little bit of air pressure. But for them, when they would go to the ladies' room, the door usually just opened slowly for them. And then they would walk in and it would close. And sometimes while they were in there, it would open and close, open and close. And sometimes it would open, it opened so hard, it would bang on the wall and then it would close again. So they eventually decided not to go to the restroom here. They found someplace else. Uh, They've seen a character or a a guy, a tall, the vision of a, a tall guy and kind of thin and wispy at the bottom. Dark, misty, not a solid shape, but not not completely opaque. 
but uh, they would see him kind of walking up and down this hallway. So I'll tell a little bit more about him. I also forgot to tell a story of the stairwell. Uh, when the guards are checking the doors, one night we had a guard come out of 4D and she got right about to the doorway and she felt something so she turned around and she saw a lady real bright with blonde hair but where her skirt or legs would be it was just rays of light so this lady with the torso was behind her so she stepped it up and she was walking quicker towards this the e-wing stairwell and it kept up with her. So she made a mad dash run for the stairs, ran all the way downstairs, and she told them, I'm not doing this anymore. Find me another job. Mm -hmm. And they did. So that lady has been seen also in 4E, and she's been seen here in 4D a lot, mostly at the near the entrance way. So I don't know if there was we don't know. But I have found out, like I said, I know a whole lot more about this stuff than I ever thought. But I found out that while we didn't have a building this tall, it was the original commander's house. So why she's up here on the fourth floor, we don't know. But I have found out that sometimes um, these visions can, they manifest like that because the ground level was lower and now the current ground level is probably three feet high. So all she has left is her torso. Something interesting. Yeah. Who knew? Next, we move into an office space. Okay, we're in 4D12. And right here is a light table. Light tables are used by imagery analysts to look at hard copy film of satellite images. Although they're not used as much today, they remain an imperative part of imagery analysis tradecraft. And this table had lots of binders and charts and paper on there. So one day there was a supervisor in here and he was just sitting watching and there were two kiosks here that were always dark you know until somebody uses them so one afternoon he saw the lights come on both both kiosks and there was nobody there and you know you see something out of the corner of your eye you look so he lifted his head and he looked at the kiosk and there was nothing there but next to it were three of these three inch binders and a big empty plotter tube. The plotter tube Sandy's talking about is a container for large rolls of paper that go into a plotter printer. NGA uses plotters to print maps and charts requested by various customers. So all of a sudden, this plotter tube rolled up all of those binders and then fell onto the floor. So he came out and he thought, ah, oh, must be Carl. Carl was over here and he heard the, the bang, but uh, so he came over and he asked him, well, did you do this? No, what happened? And he told him 
and they tried to reenact it with wires or something that you couldn't see and they just couldn't figure it out. And this happened in uh, November after I started giving the tours in 2014. And one more, well, there's a couple more stories here, but uh, the story with these two offices. Um, at one time, we had bosses working on second shift. They would rotate working second shift and it was his turn and she was gone for the day and she always locked her door. So he's in here and about 11.30, 12 o'clock, he comes running out and he's yelling at the people working out here. He says, what are you doing? Stop playing games. This is why I have to be here on second shift. And you know, So he thought they were playing with him and they didn't know what he was talking about. So they, he said, you know, over in her office, all those noises. So they came over and they tried to open the door. It was locked, but they could hear things moving around, papers flying and things pounding on the wall, but they couldn't get in. So the next morning she comes in and her chair is on the floor, on the side, on the floor and books are off the shelves and things are off the wall and papers are all over the place. So from then on, if he had to work second shift, he made sure he was working out in the cubicles with everybody else working and not sitting in his office by himself. As we continue the tour, Sandy tells us about a possible encounter with a famous Civil War general. So when we come down the ramp there from 4D out into the hallway, come down the ramp and one night there was a lady leaving she was wearing a hoodie and she felt something tug on her hoodie and she looked around and she saw like a floating head and he had longer blonde hair flowing and she just made a mad dash around to the stairwell and left but when I heard that the first thing I thought of was Custer and people say oh no it couldn't have been Custer he didn't die here well, I have learned that you don't have to have died someplace to haunt it or inhabit it. It could be someplace you died, you were born, you had a great time, you had a bad time, a traumatic experience, or you're just passing through. But I do know that Custer had been through here a few times and he was on his way up to the Dakotas when he passed through here to pick up supplies. Now granted he got most of it down at Jefferson Barracks, but he had to stop by here. So is it Custer, is it not? I don't know, but I like to say it is. <laughs> now we head down to the basement by way of the freight elevator. When the gate comes down so you don't get knocked in the noggin. But it scares some people. So here we are in BC. Now we're in the basement. It's kind of like the basement of an old house. It's dimly lit with exposed pipes and concrete floors. And you can see some exposed brick from the old Civil War arsenal. There's a slight chill in the air too. You can see immediately the difference in construction. We have the old bricks. D-Wing was built in the 1960s. And this elevator was here before D-Wing. And this is where they brought in 
bodies for processing down at the morgue. They would bring in military members to be brought down here. They would bring them in here for processing to go for burials, either at Jefferson Barracks or be sent to their homes. And they use this elevator mostly for that and smaller equipment. The larger equipment, they use the A-wing elevator. That's where they brought in the ambulances and the big x-ray machines. But uh, this is where most of the bodies came in. So we'll take the same path. And you can see the, the pipes, all the equipment down here. And it just, once you pass the threshold there, it feels older. But there are stories all up and down this hallway in these offices of people having, no, not sightings, but they, they hear the desks and the chairs rolling and papers being shuffled and keyboards. So there's a lot of that down here. I had a janitor told me maybe two months ago about uh, cleaning. He was in the men's room and it's like 11.30 at night, there's nobody else around. And he heard all the toilets in the ladies room going off. So he went in there to check. No, nope, nobody there. So this is, this is the morgue. Uh, it's a big refrigerator door. Looks like it's very imposing. So we go in, and while you go in, notice the change in the flooring, and then look at the exposed cork in the doorway. The cork is for um, climate control. They didn't have refrigeration or mass refrigeration back then. So they, uh, they used cork to keep it cooler. Let's see, a uh, story on my, one of the tours the first week on a Friday, we had the NGA photographer here. And he had his camera set up and he went on the whole tour and he started to get some pictures of us down here in the morgue and his flash started making noise or the, the battery pack. And he was able to get one picture off of all of us in front of the morgue door. And before he could take another one, the, the battery pack started making more noise and it just made a big pop and the battery died completely. So nothing. So he went back, I was giving another tour in an hour or so. So he went back, got a whole new setup and just met us down here, took some pictures, same thing happened. The battery started squealing and he got one picture off in front of the door, a pop and nothing. So he told us, I didn't find this out until just this year, but he said that they wrapped up both camera systems and flashes and sent them back to Nikon and had them check them out because he thought they were broken and they sent them back and they said no there's nothing wrong and so one of my favorite stories is a guy was getting off one of these two elevators here and he stepped off the elevator onto the basement floor or into the hallway and he described an old-style emergency room like 1920s 1930s 
with the old uniforms and he saw gurneys going back and forth and doctors and nurses running and he said not only could he see it but he heard it and he smelled it so he just stepped right back on the elevator and went to another floor so I have one more story but it's down the hall this is where I usually end the tours now Sandy takes us to our final stop on the tour the janitor's offices are just on the other side of the door there. So she, she came in the doorway, or came through the door, and she was walking down the hall, and she was just passing these pipes going up into the, the ceiling. And she's walking, and she saw something out of the corner of her eyes. So she stepped back, and she turned around and faced it, and she saw a mist or she described it like a, a swarm of bees were undulating and moving around. And while she was watching it, they just slowly disappeared. And then she went back down the hall and she told me this in uh, January of this year. So it's fairly recent. There we go. Thanks for joining us on our tour. You can decide for yourself about whether the ghost stories are true. But one thing's for sure, there's a lot of history at NGA's Second Street campus. Geointeresting is produced by NGA's Office of Corporate Communications. You can like NGA on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and never miss an episode of this podcast by subscribing on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.